2: That's stamps.com. Code program. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With JP McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103.
3: And a very good morning to you. It is JP in until one for Patricia, who is feeling unwell today. So we're with you until one with Bernie standing by, taking your comments and calls on 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103 if there is something you want to raise on the show this morning or discuss what we are speaking about. And ahead this morning, shortly, just a lot of comments that came in to me yesterday afternoon. This was to do, and as you heard Barry say there on the news, the boil water notice uh, in Whitegate, but but also in Kilevoda again, for I think this is the second time in only a few months, and, and I think residents are just sick of it at this stage because it's a case whereby it happens once and you move on and think they can sort this out, and then it happens again uh, within a number of weeks. And this has also been the case in the likes of Newmarket and other areas of the county who are coming across this more and more. Uh, the reason we don't know exactly the reason why, you know, they give excuses about uh, using big words, and the simple rule of radio is don't use big words. No one cares how intelligent you are, just to use a word that everybody would understand. Uh, and basically, th- it seems like there's dirt or gravel or something in the pipe. So I don't know what exactly is happening or what they're going to do to rectify this. But I will bring you those comments from people I spoke with yesterday afternoon, rightly so, uh, that this continues to happen right across Cork in 2022. Also on the programme, had a number of calls to the show yesterday in relation to the gym in Dunmanway. And this is within uh, the swimming pool complex. Now, the facility was closed to the public uh, as it's been used as an emergency rest centre for Ukrainian refugees. But now people want to know when this is to reopen, as they were told it was going to be on a temporary measure. Well, Councillor Declan Hurley has been looking into this matter. I know there was a meeting uh, for the local area district of the council in West Cork yesterday afternoon. We'll hear an update on what is to happen and when people can use those facilities again within uh, the West Cork. Cork region. Also, we spoke a number of months ago regarding the Latte Levy and the Latte Levy now, it seems it's going to be extended to recycling and compostable cups. But will the levy remain at 20 cent or will it increase? There is talks that it could increase. I've discussed that this morning with Councillor Dan Boyle of the Green Party. And also next Sunday is World Ovarian Cancer Day. And we're going to speak with the lovely Charnival lady, Anne Hurley, who has joined us on the show many times over the years. Years. Anne was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer in 2014 And she's fighting that battle strong So she has over the last number of years And she's a very positive lady is Anne And she will join us after 11 o'clock this morning As we make people aware of o- ovarian cancer Ahead of World Ovarian Cancer Day Which is this coming Sunday Also we will be looking at the crimes in the Cork area On our Garda file and Pet Advice with Jane, if there's a pet in your household you have a question about, get that into us across the morning. Jane joins us after 12.30. And your views is always welcome on those numbers. 0818 103 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. But yesterday afternoon... Uh, I think people in Killavallan just had enough when it came to water supply and boil water notice. Had a number of calls from people uh, just describing the situations they find themselves in and you heard there it was raised in the Doyle as well yesterday afternoon uh, by the Cork East Deputy Pat Buckley of Sinn Féin and this is to do with more and more people who are being put out once again because of boil water notices and he spoke about the Whitegate situation which is another one very frustrating for those people living on the Whitegate supply. Over 10,000 people people affected uh, there and that keeps going on and off uh, we had new market of late as well and now yet again in the only in the, a couple of weeks uh, those living in the Kellowollen area are, are left again on a boiled water notice and first time around many of the callers i spoke to yesterday said you know we, we understand it can happen but when it happens again and there's no real reason only There's dirt somewhere in the water system. Uh, Susan was on to us yesterday afternoon and Susan says, I'm so frustrated with a young child and a young family that this is happening again so soon within weeks. It's very easy for them in Irish water to say keep boiling everything. But how long can we go on with this? I have to keep boiling all the supplies for my young baby. Plus that is time consuming It is adding on extra hours to our days Extra minutes when we're all rushing out to Schools, going to and from the school run And doing chores and While people will say you know, it isn't going to take That long, you try with a family Doing extra things and extra Activities outside of school while Worrying about your water supply, it's just not On, can they just sort this out? No one Is giving us answers as to why This is happening and Anne was on to us As well earlier this morning and Anne says Can Irish Water just give us a reason of what why uh, this is happening. Fair enough, you know, you can't control it, but surely someone can give a reason as to what is leading uh, to this issue and the cause of the boiled water notice. And jury was on to us as well and Jury is saying that at least when Cork County Council were in charge, you could eventually speak to someone. Now I can't get through to anyone in Irish Water and then if I do get through to someone in a call centre which is seemingly outsourced, says jury they then are just telling me what I heard on the news so I get no new information. Again, with Cork County Council, at least you could get through at some stage, but if you could not, you could ring a local councillor and they would have an answer. Even now, councillors tell me they are finding it hard to get onto Irish water and find answers themselves. So how are the public going to have any luck? That's from Jury on 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Well again, uh, they're saying there's issues with a borehole that's causing supply uh, to the Calevullan Water Treatment Plant that they had to shut this down because of issues with that. and uh, They haven't given a time or, or the reason why this is happening or a time frame. Uh, we have uh, contacted Irish Water again this morning to see why this is happening and we will keep you updated if we hear anything across the day. But interesting there Jerry saying about councillors I know we spoke to a number of councillors in the past who said that they uh, themselves could not get through to Irish Water and then I think there was a either a special number or they could ring at a certain time where they could speak to someone uh, but many were on Happy with the answers they were getting. Anyhow, the latest with Irish Water will keep you up to date. Again, being raised yesterday in Dalaran. So it is something people are, are getting more and more frustrated about. And then from water to banking, this came from a listener in the McCroom area yesterday afternoon. And they say, I was wondering if anybody else is having this problem. I cannot send a sterling draft from either AIB My post office They said new rules Came in on the 1st of April This year And I wanted to send A confirmation gift To my cousin In England Has anybody else Come across this As our listener In McCroom And this Has come up before In the show I think it was to do With cash from uh, uh, Getting a cash I think From an AIB bank But in relation to this Have you come across No, I don't know Why there's an issue With sterling draft I mean myself and Bernie Were talking about it Beforehand uh, Before coming on air And we we were saying could it be Brexit, but then I don't think so, because why would they stop issuing sterling drafts because of Brexit? I mean, we issue them, I presume, for other countries such as Australia and Canada, where all of Irish people would live and there's no issue there. So why would they stop them for the UK, for sterling draft? I don't know if anybody is working in a post office or maybe in AIB. We are have contacted the post office and we are going to get in contact with AIB to see what is the reasoning behind this. Uh, But if you come across the same as our listener in McCroom uh, trying to get a sterling draft and you can't get one from uh, either AIB or indeed the local post office. Let us know, text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. And last week on the show, remember we were chatting with the group who are they're sowing seeds, and these seeds are sunflower seeds that they're encouraging people to set all over the country. And the sunflower is the national flower of Ukraine, and they want to bring colour to our country, considering what is happening with war times in Ukraine. Well, hello to Margaret who. Who has sent us a be- beautiful email with a lot of various pots in the email all I'm sure now fully sat with sunflower seeds and she wants to thank the initiative first of all and also Peter Dowdall our Irish gardener who's supplying the seeds but for him and indeed the interview we did last week on this uh, for highlighting the issue because she got hers at the Presentational Pastoral Centre in Donnerwell and the joy brought to us and the transition year students from the Rice Secondary School yesterday was just brilliant We look forward to seeing these blossom into the next few weeks and months to come. Hopefully they will bring a smile to our Ukrainian friends when the sunflowers show their smiley heads. Indeed, Margaret, thank you for your email. And uh, great to see the pictures you sent there of the the flowers all, all set, but also the students. As you mentioned, from Nagle Rice in Donerel, involved and looking very happy indeed in your photo. So thank you for that, Margaret. You can email Cork Today at c103.ie. And we mentioned the weather earlier. Well, it's good news for the weekends because while well, last weekend we had a mixture with umbrellas out, this weekend looks to be something different. You might have umbrellas out for a good reason to protect yourself from the sun. Uh, Saturday looks to be the nicest day for the weekend. Uh, Temperatures will range from the mid to high teens roughly around 18 degrees on Saturday and Sunday temperatures will go higher to 19 degrees. The reason Saturday is a better day we'll have sunshine on Saturday they tell us from Matt Aaron but on Sunday it looks a bit uncertain for the moment. They don't know if we'll have a lot of clouds or indeed a lot of sunshine for the moment for us here in Cork the far west of the county we 'll see a lot more clouds than North or East Cork, but that could all change when Sunday comes, But regardless of sun or not. it is going to be a dry and warm weekend. so look forward to that. Our lines are open always one eight one oh three one oh three Bernie taking your comments across the program or indeed you can text or whatsapp oh eight six two one oh three one oh three is cork today 's show lines are open always one eight one oh three one oh three you can text or whatsapp o eight six two one oh three one o three a lot of people in agreement with those who rang regarding the water. And the ball water notice is saying in this day and age it's just unacceptable and please give us a correct answer and a correct reason. Once is enough, uh, but twice in a number of weeks is just unexcusable, uh, says Carmel. Uh, while Josh saying it's amazing when people are giving out about this while well, no one would pay for water. But then again, looking at the way it's going now, were we better off because if we were paying for water and they can't give a correct reason why there is a boil water notice, then uh, why would we be paying water for it, says Josh. Well, good point. I suppose in a way a few people or didn't want to pay for water, but then Josh making the point that if we did pay, we'd probably be in the same situation anyway, so we were better off to stand up to them, uh, says Josh on 0862-103-103 by text or WhatsApp. You can uh, call Bernie 0818-103-103 And regarding the gym in and uh, many people I'm just asking the question, what is happening? It was supposed to be a temporary measure, now it's closed. A different view from William in Glamire, who says he's amazed that people are complaining when we can all see on the news what is happening in Ukraine. It is a Very small sacrifice to do without a gym, especially in these summer months when you can get out and exercise on the outside. Well, that's the issue we'll discuss next.
0: Record today on C103. Tricia, with your comment.
3: 0818 103 103. Yesterday on the programme, Sue from Dunmanway, along with many other people after Sue raised this, contacted the programme to see if we could find out what is happening with the gym in Dunmanway, which is currently closed to the public as it is to be used as an emergency rest centre for Ukrainian refugees. The gym has now been closed for a three week period. And local independent councillor Declan Hurley joins me on this with the latest. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. First of all, has the gym at the swimming pool facility, has it been used for Ukrainian refugees so far?
1: No, not yet, John Paul. And I suppose just maybe to go back to the initial stages, this kind of, I thought this scenario developed just um, before the the long Easter bank holiday weekend. And at the time, your listeners will be aware that I think at the time there was already uh, uh, refugees in the community centre in in Tomachilty. And I thought to give an overshot of the whole thing, at the moment, um, and you'll be aware of it yourself. this, this whole um, situation with refugees coming into Ireland, it, it, it's organised chaos and Cork County Council has been tasked with identifying uh, rest centres in, in the county and at the moment there's two identified for North Cork and two in West Cork and the two in West Cork being one, Clonacilty, and two, the gym in Dunmanway. So at the time, as for the bank holiday weekend, nobody really knew what to expect. Um, they could have been refugees coming in. Nobody knew because, unfortunately, there is a void of, uh, of information at the best of times when um, refugees do come into a community. And uh, Cork County Council took the cautious approach that weekend to make the gym space in the swimming pooling demand available in the event of uh, Ukrainian refugees um, arriving into West Cork.
3: And the gym itself, I presume the equipment has to be moved out somewhere else in the centre. Is it an ideal centre, an ideal rest centre for refugees? Well, well rest centres
1: are, are designed for what they're designed as just rest centres, and nobody is allowed to stay in them any longer than 72 hours. Um, you look, it's not ideal, and any and rest centre, we're all human beings. These Irish people are Ukrainian people, and we all deserve to have proper, comfortable accommodation. But these people have been travelling for, for weeks and months, and they come into Ireland through the ferry ports or the airports. They go to the city west to get documented, and then they're sent off anywhere in the country to get accommodation. And in the event that they're going from Dublin to, say, the, the west of Ireland, that's a long trip in itself, on top of the already long journey they have taken to get to Ireland, and they need to stop off, they need to rest and, and to recuperate, and, and that's why these rest centers are being put in place, so that they can stop off. Um, a lot of them are ill and need medication, um, and that's where um, this is, is given to the, to the refugees. So, uh, in, in a sense, um, it's just kind of, I suppose, buying time until suitable accommodation and more permanent accommodation can be sought for refugees.
3: And I suppose with the gym, there's showers and toilets on site, so it would be suitable for that for, for, for a short period of time. But Sue, one of our listeners that was in contact with us yesterday, she has an idea that there's three community halls and a community centre Could they have not been considered. They,
1: they are being considered, but at, at the time, I suppose the Cork County Council were, was firefighting in, in, the, in the vacuum of, uh, of information and this was just identified as a space that could hold Ukrainian refugees if they came in over the bank holiday weekend they were since now, you have, as you said in your introduction, this is where three weeks on, the gym is still closed, it's still identified as um, as a rest centre and I suppose the best thing I can describe it at this stage, it's going to be a long-term, temporary um, situation for the gym in the moment because until there is, as long as there is refugees coming into Ireland and particularly into Cork, and I think the gym in demand will be identified and will stay as a rest centre for the foreseeable future. But I, I have been um, reassured by the executive in Cork County Council because I was concerned myself personally when I did hear the gym was being closed and the equipment was taken out and put into storage, that it, in the event of this all uh, of the, the war in Ukraine um, ending and things going back to normal, that the gym will be put back into public use and the equipment will be put back into the space. But... In the event of of, of an influx of people, yes, the community halls may be brought into the the, the situation as well because we don't know what numbers are going to arrive at any one particular time. But at the moment, in relation to the facility in the manway, the gym space being in the pool, there is better facilities there, toilets and um, showers where that would not be in the community halls.
3: And while everybody understands the reason for this and everybody does have sympathy, obviously enough, watching the pictures that is coming out from Ukraine and what continues to happen there, you know, it is understood why we are doing this. But when I suppose the gym isn't being used, as you say, it's, it's identified, but no refugees have gone in there as yet, you can see then the frustration from those who were disappointed that they used the gym and they can understand the reason why it's been used for a rest center, but there's no one actually in it. So the gym is lying idle and not being used for anything.
1: I, I fully understand that, and I, I take it on board. Um, at, at the moment, um, to the best of my knowledge, Dunmanway uh, is is fourth on the list of rest centres, and they are being filled in in accordance of where they appear on the list. There is one centre um, that I just can't, the name can't come to me at the moment, but when that centre has been utilised, Dunmanway the then will be next on the list to be utilised um, for refugees when when they do come into into West Cork.
3: But for the moment, no timeline whatsoever on when that gym will will reopen to the public.
1: No, it, as I say, it's it's a long term temporary situation, um, and again, the, the best description I can give on until and um, there's a, a stop in the refugees coming into Ireland, and um, I think the, the gym will remain as is, um, close to the public, but will be there um, as, a, as a rest centre should refugees come into the Manway or into West Cork.
3: OK, and the pool is open, just to let people know that that is all as normal, it's just the gym aspect. Yeah, the, pool, the
1: pool is running as per the timetable, and, and just as you touch on, on that matter, mm. there has been an issue as well too, John Paul, as you well know. Um, thankfully, in, in recent weeks, there has been a recruitment drive on to recruit extra additional staff for the pool, they are carrying out their induction this week so it is hoped uh, in the coming weeks that there will be an increase in the opening hours in the manual swimming pool and also additional classes put on as well too so that's that's a positive uh, in in, in the scale of things but that's and something for your listeners to take on board is that there is additional staff coming on board and there will be an increase in the opening hours. It may not be ideal but it's a stepping stone it's, it's a first in, in getting uh, the pool up and
3: running to what it should be. True, going in the right direction as opposed to the other direction I suppose. Very finally, Dick, yeah. and this is something now not in your area uh, but I'm going to ask you about it because we got a lot of calls yesterday from people in various areas where there's a boil water notice mainly in North Cork and one of the areas is Calavullan and they've received another notice within a few weeks of the first one and why the frustration when you get the first one is fine, but when you get a second one and there's no real reason why and it's the same reason as the first time around, you can understand the frustration that people say, why aren't they sorting this out? A lot of people have been on to us to say at least when Cork County Council were in charge, you could speak to someone or you could speak to a councillor. And I know at the time we spoke to many councillors who themselves, when they rang Irish Water, they could not get to speak to anybody or they were getting the same answers that was already on the news. Has that improved or are you still in a situation from a councillor point of view that you can't get information from Irish Water in relation to to something like a boil water notice or, or something different?
1: It, it certainly hasn't improved. I'd I, It has gotten worse, if, if anything. Oh, um, we, we, as elected members, are pulling our hair out every day of the week because, again, um, the Manway in West Cork is no different than any other part of the county. Um, we have water breaks and burst mains. We, we, thankfully, we don't have um, boiled water notices as much as other parts of the county, but trying to get information from Irish Water up to the information is like looking for an needle in a haystack. Totally unaccountable Nobody at the end of the phone. We have requested time and time again uh, for officials from Irish Water to come in, meet with elected members, and and discuss particular problem areas in the county. And our requests don't even be acknowledged. That's the level of engagement we have with Irish Water. And up to about maybe a month or six weeks ago, we actually called on the mayor of the county of Cork to write to Irish Water in her capacity as mayor of the county to get some official to come in and meet with us. Because the current facility we have by engaging with Irish Water, our monthly clinics in County Hall, the people that we go to meet with our problems or issues in relation to, to water or wastewater are just administration staff. They have no idea what we're talking about, where the issues are, or what kind of timelines timeline is involved. The people that are in the know are hidden away in their ivory towers, and nobody will disseminate the information that's needed on the ground, and particularly, John Paul, as begins, should water, uh, a water main burst or by notice, it's just, you're just guessing. From Friday until Monday to know what's happening, when it's going to happen. Um, you might maybe, hopefully, maybe get a, a local water curator that might know what's happening. But a lot of the work then is subcontracted out to different uh, contractors, and it depends on how busy they are then how quick they can get to a scene to uh, repair a, a, burst, a burst pipe. But it, it's most frustrating, and I can I can understand uh, the, the public in, in Norcock as well, too, dealing with this on a, on a regular basis. But it all boils down to infrastructure, lack of investment in infrastructure. If, if what they had put into Irish Water was given to Cork County Council years ago, we wouldn't be in this mess now.
3: Very true. And it's, I mean, if the local authority can't get to speak to those who run the different systems within Irish Water, the public can really have no choice or, or, or even choice to ring them if they got you know, they're getting the same information that we have, but they want further information. And I mean, in relation to uh, the tur turbidity is the word they're using, which basically is dirt and gravel it's and so on and what, water, what, what, yeah. what not now why they cancel that I don't know because that's confusing people then in itself they're going what the hell is that um, I mean I have you similar issues that you can explain from the West Cork area where it's frustrating where this is happening now there's no boil water notice that has been issued for West Cork but when you see East Cork and North Cork getting these and no one can get answers I mean where do you go from if the, if the mayor of the county has to send a letter to get them in I mean where do you go from here if they won't even reply to the mayor or, or haven't but as that- yet
1: that, that, that request was sent to Irish Water about six weeks ago. Six and weeks? I, six weeks ago. And nothing and back. I, nothing. I asked the mayor a ah, in relation to a, a, a response, and not even, there wasn't even a response, not to mind the confirmation that they would attend the meeting. But it's, it's an absolute joke. That's and, just rude. And, it, it is totally rude. And like we, we select, and even at council meetings, we have water services within the jurisdiction of Cork County Council. We would raise a problem area in in West Cork or in, in any part, um, North Cork or East Cork. Um, the, the, the response we get back, um, water is no longer um, a facility for Cork County Council. It's water, uh, an Irish water issue and take up your issues with Irish water.
3: But then you can't because uh, no one's asking the phone in Irish water. No. And no. no one's replying back to emails or anything.
1: No. A lot of the time, John Paul, we're depending on what posts go up on social media. That's the up-to-date information we are depending on as public representatives to give to the public out there. When they're in me, when they're in my colleagues, um, we're as much the general public are as much know as we are as elected members to get information.
3: But that's, not not good good that's not good enough. That's not good enough because that's the same information as everybody else has. You need to know the exact reason why this is happening, and just saying that the water is going to be restored in four weeks or to how to boil or how to operate within a boil water notice, it's just not good enough. We, we'll wait and see what happens with this, Declan. It's something that has really annoyed listeners over the last while. I know it was raised as well in the dial yesterday um, by Cork East Deputy Pat Buckley. The frustrations are running high with it, so we'll, we'll wait and see if there's any update uh, from them. You might let us know if they do come back to Absolutely. yourself or indeed to the Mayor. Uh, for the moment, Thanks, Declan, for joining us this morning. Thanks, John Paul. Thank you. That is uh, Councillor Declan Hurley there regarding, first of all, the gym in Dunman. What is happening there in relation to it being used as an emergency rest centre for Ukrainian refugees. It looks like the gym will remain closed for a long while to come. And also Irish water. I mean, when you... Uh, the, so the callers we got yesterday, I mean, you can see the, hear the frustration from those callers, but yet again, you can hear more so the frustration in Declan's voice when a local representative, somebody you know elected for the area and the local authority can't get a response from Irish Water to come and meet those who were trying to send information to the public. Uh, yeah, you just wonder where did it, how did this all happen? Uh, or who the hell is running the whole thing anyway and maybe you've been trying to deal with them as well let us know 0818 103 103 d text or whatsapp Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. 103 by the way we have reached out to Irish Water again to find out exactly what is happening in fairness they have sent an email the first time around uh, advising of the ball Water Notice we've asked them what is happening uh, again or an update on this so if we get anything we will bring that to you on the way though if you like your cup of coffee well the lash it levy and you thought you'd get away with it because you'd have a recycling cup or a compostable cup you may not and will the levy increase? Discussing that next.
0: Court today on C one zero three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 103 103.
3: Coffee cups that are compostable or recyclable will not escape the so-called latte levy, which is to be introduced to discourage the use of disposable containers. Green Party councillor is Dan Boyle joins me on this to discuss this issue. Good morning to you, Dan. Good morning, Jambo. Uh, it's an important move, Dan, but I know the Environment Department came out earlier this week and it's been hinted that the levy could be at least 20 cents, but it could go up to one euro a cup. Is that rather a revenue raising than the whole idea of getting people to use single-use containers and use education more rather than monetary reasons more?
2: Uh, well, it's 20 cents initially and it's the same principle that would have been used for the plastic bag levy. Uh, that it started, I think it was $0.05 and then $0.15 and and came to its current level. Uh, But that didn't happen immediately. It happened over the course of a number of years. Uh, But the effect uh, of of the levy was that uh, we reduced plastic bags by 95%. uh, And uh, the hope is by having a similar approach in relation to uh, uh, largely disposable uh, cups uh, that we will achieve the same with, with this particular levy.
3: And the biodegradable cups then that we are associated with, I mean, are they still associated with littering? Is that still becoming a problem? And I mean, we all did go down the route of getting used to the plastic bag levy. Will it be the same though for, for this when I suppose this is going to affect smaller retailers in coffee shops, which have popped up a lot more over the last few years?
2: Well, it means that there'll be increased use of reusable cups, uh, and uh, the the difficulty with the biodegradable uh, cups is that, uh, first of all, there are different levels of of degradation uh, with the cups themselves, uh, and uh, even with the best of them, uh, the period to biodegrade is is quite long. Uh, So uh, when you're... For instance, uh, using it uh, uh, with other materials you might be composting, for instance, it, it isn't particularly helpful because it takes far too long.
3: And I suppose over the last few years with the pandemic, then people did go back to using reusable cups uh, come, and people were out less, I suppose, as well uh, than there were. So th- was that a, a habit that maybe we went back using the the cups that we were trying to get away from for the last number of years?
2: Yeah, there's an element to that. Uh, and uh, there is a benefit for the retailers in people using reusable cups in the sense that and, and, and carrying their own cups in the sense that uh, they, they get reduced costs. Uh, As a result, uh, they don't have to spend as much on materials, they don't have to use as much energy uh, on on the the cleaning and and reusing of their own materials. So uh, it it can be a win-win if we change the culture to such a certain extent that this is the norm rather than uh, something that happens on occasion with, with certain individuals.
3: And cafes, some are getting better at letting people use their reusable cups and they're actually giving money back that if you have or do use a reusable cup you'll get 20 cent off a coffee and that's in some uh, cafes now, not all. Do you think that would be an idea maybe if the money is raised from the new levy that that could be given to retailers so they could use these incentives to get people to bring in their own cups?
2: Well, I, the, the, the plastic bag levy, for instance, uh, the, the, the proceeds of that goes to an environment fund and uh, that's recycled into uh, environmental projects and environmental education projects. So I, I can see no reason why there can't be incentives used from the environmental fund that would encourage retailers to uh, to engage in best behaviours.
3: And will the same happen with, with this? Would the uh, money be ring Uh
2: Well, the environmental fund is open to any kind of environmental purpose or to overcome obstacles that people might experience in in bringing in new uh, environmental policies. So if the case can be made, there's no reason why technically
3: the money can't be used but they haven't said yet that it will be used for environmental well, projects.
2: Well, the, the, the thing with an environmental fund is that it it is somewhat uh, loose in the sense that uh, you know you have to leave it open for other contingencies and and difficulties that might happen along the ways, but the principle of using the fund to assist retailers is one element that an environmental f- fund can be used for.
3: And what I mean, if I, I presume they will ringfence this money, uh, they, 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 you're saying they haven't even said that yet. That they will use this. No, money no, they, they, the environmental fund exists. It exists. But will the, the money uh, from uh, the national uh, levy be going into this fund? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the same principle. And what uh, projects are does the money go to? I mean, what examples can you give that have benefited from this? <laughs>
2: Well, it, it's usually local environmental projects and environmental education projects. Uh, you know, the, the, in Cork, we have, we have Cork Environmental Forum, and uh, they, they run a number of projects uh, that would benefit from uh, having uh, got money from the uh, Environmental Fund. Local authorities get money for environmental projects from the Environmental Fund, so uh, and you know, it, it even gets recycled into money supports given to tidy town groups and the like. So, the, the Environmental Fund is is wide application. Uh, It's not a huge fund, you know, we get so much from the plastic bag levy, but the principle that we're trying to change uh, what's not an ideal uh, behaviour in terms of the environment uh, and and reward better uh, behaviours that are more environmentally friendly. That's what the fund exists for and that's what it's used
3: for. Okay, and you mentioned there the plastic bag levy. Before I let you go, we had some calls yesterday to the show from those who were in shops that were charging now for paper bags. Now, I know there was a shortage of paper. Uh, It was an issue earlier on this year and last year. Are you aware of that now, shops charging for paper bags?
2: Uh, well, it, it, it does exist. Uh, well, paper is, 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 uh, is better than plastic, uh, it, not as durable in terms of the consumer and things like that. I mean, the, the best option is people bringing their own bags to and from their shopping visits, uh, and, and uh, reusable bags are what, what should be encouraged most. So uh, it's it's up to a shop to charge for any carrying materials that they have available. Uh, the plastic bag carries a levy if they're providing other bags. Whether it's a, a long term reuse, it's a paper bag. That's a commercial transaction that people have to bear in mind. I think.
3: Yeah, and I suppose if shops, if there is an expense now added for paper bags, the businesses have to be efficient, so they'll have to charge for that. But is that something yeah. we're going to see more and more? Do you think, Dan, now any bag you buy in a shop, obviously you mentioned reusable ones there, they are charged for those. The plastic bag levy is there. But paper bag, many people would have thought, OK, you know, that, that, that's a different. You know, paper can be recycled. Surely you won't get charged for that. Is that the way you think all shops will go in the future, that paper bags yeah. as well will be charged for now?
2: Well, I think the nature of retail businesses is it depends on the the size of business, the scale of its activities. Uh, so, uh, some businesses might think it, it, it's, uh, beneficial to bring customers in to to offer paper bags and others uh, may feel that they need to charge at least to cover the cost to the business itself and the, that there's not an additional subsidy on the, or additional cost for the retailer. That, that's a business decision. You you can't really uh, legislate for that. Uh, that uh, what you want to do is to, to have the behavior where uh, bags are used uh, where necessary as regularly as possible, and that there are the same materials and same bags that are used. Yeah. So uh, that that's what policy is about.
3: Okay, very funny. Before I let you go, I did mean to ask the, regarding the Latte levy. Um, do we have any idea when that will be introduced? Is there a timeline given on that as yet when this will come into effect?
2: Well, the legislation is still going through. It's part of the circular economy bill, which is uh, uh, which is talking about all waste materials and and ho- how you get the the best economic benefit out of them. Uh, so uh, the hope would be that the bill would be passed in the uh, summer and come autumn uh, we, we will see the, the first introduction of a of a levy um, to coincide with the. The previous regulations that have been agreed for plastic bottles, uh, and plastic packaging in terms of, uh, uh, returnable, uh, vending machines, uh, which should also be coming in, uh, around, uh, autumn time.
3: So, so it'll be all under the one bill, okay? For the moment, uh, Dan, yep. thanks for joining us this morning. That is Green Party Councillor Dan Ball, it's JP, in for Patricia until one. Uh, she's sick today, so hopefully uh, she'll return if not tomorrow, Monday, and we wish her well. But it's me until one, and Bernie takes your calls and comments on oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, or you can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And ahead on the program shortly, we will be speaking uh, to the Carnival Lady. We've spoken to over the years many a time. It's Anne Hurley and Anne was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer in 2014. We're going to catch up with Anne because next Sunday, or this coming Sunday is World Ovarian Cancer Day so we'll speak with Anne very shortly on the programme. But just going back to a number of calls and comments in on various issues. First of all to the listener in McCroom and this was the listener who was uh, asking everybody basically if you've got a sterling draft or can, I, can you send the sterling draft because she went into her AIB and indeed her post office and they said they cannot send a sterling draft uh, because of new rules that came in from the 1st of April. Now, we have a contact that's post on this. And indeed, AIB, we're waiting to hear from them on what exactly are the new rules and why someone can't send a sterling draft. And the reason she wanted one is because she's sending this as a confirmation gift to her cousin in England. So we'll wait and see what they say. Uh, but on this, yes, a number of people have had the same problem as our listener in McCroom. Uh, Joanne is in the city saying I had the exact same problem Uh, they could not give me an exact reason but they said it was because of a rule change as well that came in from the 1st of April and others saying very similar from various parts of Cork but John Joe was in Burnford and on this John Joe says that he got a cheque for just a few dollars Uh, but when he went into his bank which is permanent TSB they told him that it would cost 100 euros to process this and it was just 6 or 7 dollars was the cheque Uh, which was I think from shares or something that um, he'd invested in a number of years ago and because the cheque came with the seven or eight dollars it would cost 100 euros to process that cheque and he banks with permanent TSB uh, which would totally defeat the purpose of uh, paying 100 euros for the sake of 7 or 8 dollars and whatever the conversion rate is at higher or lower Uh, it wouldn't pay Uh, John Joe in Burnford thank you for your call but another person who is a staff member of a credit union says tell that listener they should be able to order a sterling cheque through their credit union it takes a few days but it can be done and that's from someone who works works in a credit union so for those listeners in contact with us and the lady from McCroom who was first in contact with us try your local credit union and they should be able to help you with that sterling draft or sterling check and on the gym we spoke regarding the gym being closed in Domanway part of the swimming pool complex in Domanway. this is to act as an emergency centre to house Ukrainian refugees and everybody understands the reason for this but people were wondering three weeks on no refugees have arrived and the gym is still closed and no one can use it and basically the question was what is going on? And there is no timeline. Uh, While they'll wait to see if the actual gym facility gets used as an emergency centre, we spoke with Councillor Declan Hurley there before uh, 11 o'clock on the programme and as he mentioned, there is no timeline Uh, and and it seems at this stage until the situation is resolved with the housing and and the long-term housing, it will remain an emergency centre but for how long we don't know and then other comments on this I know we had a few from people saying that you know considering what is happening in Ukraine surely people can do without a gym for the summer months and can you know walk more or exercise on the outside well responding to that then John and Kinsale uh, says look we can't even house our own here in this country so uh, John feels we should be looking after our own first at this stage but his bigger question is who is paying for all of this well they have said it's coming from a reserve fund And this fund was part of the COVID fund that now has transferred into this reserve fund that will deal with the intake of refugees from Ukraine. And somebody on WhatsApp says, uh, so people go to the gym for good reasons. Many do this for their own mental health. Now that the gym is closed, where do they go? To another town? Have to drive there? This person, while I don't know if it's male or female, they say, I do feel sorry for these people but we are giving up our houses our gyms our communities and our community halls even for them we must think of our own first we can't give up everything and why we why this country you know is giving up a lot and I really feel for those people coming to this country says this person on WhatsApp are we giving up too much when you see a gym closed for that length of time and then the gym not being used at all just lying empty uh, there are some of your comments regarding the gym in demand being used as an emergency centre but being left idle and that has not been used as yet and has not seen refugees in that facility and your viewers are welcome text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 on the water issue when the boil water notices we've got a huge volume of calls on this I uh, called them all over the county, and when we spoke, and we asked this to Declan Hurley towards the end of the interview, just because callers were saying when they when the water was under Cork County Council, and while well, people may knock the local authorities across the country, at least they said they could speak to someone. If they could not speak to someone, they could speak to a councillor who would have the answers. Now, councillors, our callers were saying, don't have the answers. And I was aware a few months ago, a number of local councillors came out saying they could not get in contact with Cork County or with, with Irish Water to get information on why there was a. Body water notice, the reasoning for this, or why there was a water break. So we just asked Declan towards the end of the interview, and he said that it's still the same. They cannot get any information. All they get information, uh, the information they get is already on Irish Water social media, or indeed, we have it on our news, so it's out there in the public domain. But digging in deeper on what the reason is, they aren't getting any information. And it's got so bad that they actually wrote the mayor of Cork County, on behalf of Cork County Council has written or emailed to Irish Water and even the Mayor Julian Coughlin six weeks ago still has not got a response for someone from Irish Water to meet, and this is someone on hire, someone in communications or someone anyhow to meet with them within County Hall and that reply hasn't been sent back to them within six weeks. So if the local authority can't get to speak to them, how the hell are the public going to get information? Uh, It's a really frustrating situation and we have a number of calls uh, on this and we brought a lot of them to you before 11. This is just one more, an example of the frustration in the area. Tony is in Calevull and Tony says... uh, Teribity, as they're calling it, or turbidity, as they're calling it, it's a fancy name for suspended solids in the water. And as we mentioned that earlier on in the interview, and it is just basically dirt and solids or whatever that's in the water. And I don't know why they just that confused people then because no one knew exactly what that meant. But basically, it's dirt, uh, and. As Tony goes on to say, he says, We don't know though what harmful substances are actually in the water. They mentioned the Borewell. What depth is the Borewell? What tests have been done? Has anyone become ill due to the water? This happened again at Easter. And is it a coincidence that it happens on holiday weekends? Tony asks. Also, he's asking the question Was anybody spreading slurry in the area? Could that be the impact of it? Why is this happening? But all those questions locals have put to Irish Water and they have heard nothing back only the same information that we have regarding the dirt in the water supply and the borehole or the borewell. Uh, and again, no one has answered any of the questions that locals are putting to them. And that's just one area of Cork. There's other areas that are in similar situations. But I think for Kelevalen, it's happened again so close uh, that it's leading to frustrations. Anyhow, your views are welcome. It was raised yesterday evening in the Doyle. We are going to go back to this story again tomorrow just because of the level of calls we've got on it. And then when you hear... Uh, the local authority, when they write to them uh, or email or whatever that is and they get nothing back six weeks later, I mean, questions do have to be answered at this stage. Uh, you can't ignore uh, people when they're trying to get to the answers of why they have no water supply. Anyway, your, your views are welcome on that uh, On uh, to Bernie on phone 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and uh, a bit of help here uh, because a person has found for a Volkswagen and a key for a Hyundai they were uh, found together at Lumberstown near Culema Cross now they have been left into the shop in Ballyclaw so if you are missing a Hyundai key or a Volkswagen key and you were around the Lumberstown area yesterday uh, both those keys now are in the shop in Ballyclaw so hopefully they'll go back to their rightful owners
0: C103 Jobs
3: With Munster Technological University
2: Enhanced your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie
3: Maxall in Clonakilty have vacancies for full and part-time sales assistants. You can email your CV to hr at cantilangroup.ie The Alzheimer Society is recruiting home care workers for their North Cork home care services. Submit your CV and a cover letter to recruit at alzheimer.ie And a part-time hairstylist is wanted for a salon in Toker. You can call Julie on 087 6501391 or email julieshairtoker at gmail.com You'll get these details and more online now Just go to c103.ie forward slash job You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed
0: Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment
3: 0818 103 103 Next Sunday is World Ovarian Cancer Day and research in advance of the day shows that 4 in 5 women are not confident of spotting a symptom of ovarian cancer despite Ireland having one of the highest death rates of the disease across Europe One lady who knows all about this and who is a great advocate of this is Anne Herlihy who is from Charleston and who was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer in 2014 and is still fighting the great fight and Anne joins me this morning and a very good morning to you. Good morning JP. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Firstly I know you were back for treatment yesterday I believe radiotherapy yesterday afternoon. Uh, I'm very conscious that you know that can be very tough. How are you feeling today?
4: I'm feeling okay today. A bit tired but other than that I'm doing good.
3: And is that within CUH
4: you travel up and down? Yeah yeah yeah, I had surgery in January. Uh, They removed two more tumours in Dublin because they were unable to do that surgery in Cork. So that took a lot out of me, more than the radiotherapy I think.
3: Yeah, surgery can do that. It, especially, mm-hmm. it's intensive removing tumours, and they're long. You know, you're not in for a half an hour. They can no. be a, a two, three, maybe a nine hour operation. So they they are lengthy, and, and they do take a lot of you because the recovery time uh, for each removal of a tumour, you know, it gets longer. Yeah. Because you've been through that so many times, and uh, and when you hear that news again, I mean, you've had a number of of operations to remove tumours, and we're all very aware that tumours can grow back. Yeah. I mean, when you get the news again that a tumour is growing back, what goes through your mind in that situation?
4: Well, I was very upset this time because, I mean, I had the radical radio um, hysterectomy, the first surgery in 2018. Then I had another tumour removed from near my hip the year after. And I was saying to my specialist, I was saying, look... You're after taking away parts of me that aren't really important, you know, I'm in my 50s now, I'm not going to be using them anymore, what I'm worried about is the next tumour I'm going to get, it's going to be in an organ that you can't remove, that I can't do without, and that's what happened, I mean, last year, as you know, it was very hard to go and see your GP, Um, I was suffering with a chest complaint, so I was sent in and out constantly for PCR tests. I was finding it difficult to breathe. I was having tremendous pain in my back and my side. And it was an incidental finding of two tumours then, one in my lung and one near my spine that set the whole scenario off again.
3: And they removed those this time around in yeah. In the last operation and I mean the lung it is yeah. a complicated area as you know well Anne yeah. and I know that myself having a tumour removed from the lung I mean the spine and the lung that area I mean it takes a long recovery uh, but but the idea that they have to go in and remove did they have to remove a lot of your lung?
4: Um, they didn't have to remove any of the lung really okay. well they removed the tumour and you know the area around yeah, the tumour maybe. Yeah, and the same thing in the chest wall they had to have two surgeons because it's so near the spine they were afraid that it would Damage the spine, and that's the fear they have now at the moment with radiotherapy. That they have to be so careful in case the spine is damaged during this. Yeah. So I'm damned if I do, and I'm
3: damned if I don't. Well, exactly. And I mean, the yeah. conversation—did you have to have that conversation? Yeah. I know I did that yeah. beforehand before they do the operation. That there's a chance you, you may not walk. There's a chance yeah. you, you could be fine, but that, that there's that risk. That's what there is. That you know, yeah. you, it could really affect your your balance or affect your ability to walk.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we'll do anything
3: to stay alive. Well, that's exactly the
4: thing. I've, and
3: you know one thing, and I and, and I feel this with you over the last number of years, and a lot of people have, have said this every time you come on, you're just so positive about uh, what you're going through. You, you come out with a smile, you go to events, you're dressed up, you look fantastic. And do you feel that has a lot to do With overcoming something like this I mean I mentioned there In the intro You have been diagnosed With ovarian cancer in 2014 And you still fight the cause I mean positivity And a lot of people laugh When I say this But I think positivity Has a huge part In staying alive
4: Oh it does Now it's very hard To stay positive all the time Mm -hmm. And you're kidding yourself And those around you If you're even trying to put on The act of positivity All the time You know You're trying to stay strong For your loved ones But there are days there when, you know, you just can't do it anymore. And that's when you need their help. But when you're diagnosed, I think there are two responses. You either practically melt into the floor with shock and hope for the best, or you start picking yourself up and go, right, what are the steps I need to do to stay alive as long as I can?
3: And I saw you with a photo of your granddaughter, yeah. Ava, on our confirmation day last week. Now, this was a very special day. Outline why this was so special. Of Confirmation day is always special, yeah. uh, but but this was extra special for you.
4: Well, Ava's my eldest granddaughter, and when I was diagnosed, she was just four or five, and all I wanted to do was get to her communion, which we did. And, you know, that really excited me. I got to that stage And I didn't think I'd reach her confirmation, especially the way I was in January, you know, and I was feeling so bad afterwards. But we had her confirmation last week, and as she said, Nana, it was the happiest day just to have you there. And you said you couldn't, you know, that you mightn't be there, but there you were. You know, and she was picking out what I had to wear because I've lost so much weight. All my clothes were hanging off of me. So I was feeling down over that. So she came in the night before and she was going, wear this, wear that. You'll be gorgeous, you know. So it just, oh, it did me the power of good just to be there for the for her confirmation and to see it because she's got so tall and everything. It made me so proud. It made me so proud.
3: And she has got very tall and so grown up. And she's a great taste in clothes because you looked gorgeous and you looked fantastic, I must say now. Yeah, thank
4: you. Thank you. (laughs) So
3: Ava might have a future in the fashion world.
4: She might. I mean, she has that that figure for anyway. Yeah, yeah,
3: she has indeed. She has. And just, I mean, the main reason we're chatting to you today, apart from checking in to see how you are, is to raise awareness, Anne, because this coming Sunday is World Ovarian Cancer Day. And what better way to discuss this is with someone who's going through it and knows very well, like you, yeah. And I was mentioning the research there, 94% of women did not recognise any change or indeed the loss of appetite as a symptom. Are there a lot of symptoms associated with ovarian cancer and were you aware of it or were you even, did you know no, yourself I, at the time when you were diagnosed?
4: No, I've never, I never heard of ovarian cancer pre-diagnosis. I mean, he- I heard of cervical cancer and you went for your smear test, which I was adamant to do every two years at that stage. But it was never brought into my realm of possibility ovarian cancer so when I became symptomatic of this illness I didn't know what was wrong I mean I was going to my GP and each symptom well my GP wasn't there at the time it was a GP and each symptom was being treated as a, a, a symptom on its own it wasn't combined as Asymptomatic of ovarian cancer because there are so many symptoms attached to ovarian cancer, but the main ones that I found, uh, you talk about the beast campaign, pain, which is please uh, bloating, eating, abdominal pain, and talk to somebody. But mine was, I thought, right bloating, but mine was like weight gain. That I wasn't putting, I wasn't saying I'm bloated. I was saying, God, I'm I'm gaining a lot of weight. And, of course, that was fluid. When you start gaining weight, it's fluid. It's called ascites in your system. And that leans on your organs then, which can cause constipation, frequency of urine, uh, loss of appetite, the least little thing you feel full. So you might put it down. We're great. Women are very good at self-diagnosing. So we could say, look, we're after becoming gluten intolerant, wheat intolerant. I can't eat like I used to eat before. and yet, We're still gaining this weight. We're still bloating. We might get the odd pain in the groin, in the back, in the tummy. We might put that down to a pull muscle. And that's what you're treating. You go into your GP then and you say, I think I have a pull muscle. They're going to treat you for the pull muscle. I think I have an upset stomach. You're going to be treated for the upset stomach. Whereas today we're saying, look, if you have, two, three, or four of those symptoms that are persisting for two to three weeks, then you go to your GP and you say, look, I have A, B, and C. Do you think it could be ovarian cancer related? Do you think it could be ovarian related? And if it is, they'll do the next steps required then for that.
3: And you would tell people to speak up if you feel there is something wrong?
4: Definitely. I mean, Years ago, ovarian cancer was seen as a postmenopausal illness. It happened to women in their late 50s and 60s. But now I've met women, I've seen women in their 20s and on, in their 30s who have left young families behind them who are somebody's sister, somebody's daughter, somebody's mother, grandmother. They've been diagnosed early on at an earlier age, but still They're not being diagnosed soon enough. Most women today are being diagnosed at a late stage, which requires an awful lot of treatment and an awful lot of heartache.
3: So trust your gut if you feel something is wrong, persist with your GP or your doctor or your consultant because everybody knows their own body. But at the same time, and as you know well, and I'm sure dealing with doctors, some can say no, you know, they can say no, that that's not the case or they can put it back on you sometimes. Whereas really, you need to push it back on them and say, look, we're not the doctors, we're not the nurses, you're the professional, there is something wrong, I want this checked out and... I I think they'll know deep down the ones, you know, uh, some people will Well, everything checked out, but in something like this, you'll know yourself and you have to persist uh, and, and keep getting those answers.
4: Exactly. I mean, you should never go into your GP telling the GP what's wrong with you. You should never go in and say, I think I pulled a muscle, or I think I have a chest infection, or I think I have a tummy upset, because you could be treated for all those. So you go in and you have a list of your symptoms that you've noticed in the last two or three weeks that might be worrying to you that are different than the usual. You didn't have this six months ago, but all of a sudden now you're... And you go in and you say, look, I have A, B, and C. I want this investigated. Do you think it could be ovarian-related? And hand it over to the professionals then.
3: And is there any screening, and for ovarian cancer?
4: No, not as of yet. There's no screening for ovarian, unlike cervical cancer, Many the times it's been found by incidental findings during a CT scan for something else. They might pick something up. Um, with me, I went to my GP, my GP came back that I had seen for years. She came back, and when she saw me, the, the test she did was the CA125 blood test. And at that stage, that's what worked for me because that showed that there was something seriously going on with my ovarian cancer because the CA125 is between 35 and 40 is normal for women and mine was nearly 2000 so she could see that time something big was happen, happening in my with my ovarian area
3: and you have to ask for that type of blood test would you
4: if you were if you if you were symptomatic yeah. of ovarian cancer your gp might do that but it's not an official screening tool
3: yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, many people are asking what keeps you going, and I mean, I mentioned positivity there, and, yeah. and your family as well. I mean, how how was PJ? How how was the entire family?
4: Well, um, it's getting very wearing now on PJ. You know, and PJ's and husband, by the way, I meant to say yeah. that, that's your
3: husband, PJ. I mean,
4: I have the widower's allowance form ready for the last couple of years, only to be filled in. You know, and he keeps an eye on that every so often. Is not getting there yet for the widowers. <laughs> no, and it's getting... Well, since the grandchildren, they've grown up with cancer with me, you know, mm. and um, they they get scared every time I go. They were especially scared this time when I had to go to Dublin because, and I was scared myself. I know at that stage you couldn't have anyone in the hospital visiting you anyway, but it was the thoughts of being so far away from home Whereas if you're in CUH, you could always ring home and say, drop up such such and such a thing to me. But in Dublin, you couldn't do that.
3: And was that tough, the fact that no one was allowed into you? The reasons were were very clear why, due to the pandemic and COVID. Was that tough for the fact that even PJ, I presume, couldn't call into you? No,
4: he couldn't. It was very, very tough. Psychologically, I think, more than physically. And I mean, you need good psychological health. To deal with cancer. You need to be on top of everything. And I mean, surgery anyway brings you down. Uh, extra diagnosis brings you down. But I think, I know the COVID and I know, look, COVID has been blamed for a lot that we can't see the point of at all. You know, it's still very, very difficult to see a GP even if you're a cancer patient. You know, so COVID is being still blamed for an awful lot of things. And patients, cancer patients especially, they're finding it very, very difficult to be in hospital without their loved ones visiting.
3: Of course, and, and that's the most difficult time when you need your family and friends you around do. when you're on your own, going through something like that, and when you're sitting there, your mind wanders, and there's no one there to uh, to hold your hand, basically, apart from the staff who were busy enough. I at know, the but,
4: and I mean, we were told that this surgery has a high morbidity rate, you know, mm. and I was saying, look, what if I die, you know, in hospital, and there's no one around me, you know, and all this goes through your, bra- your brain, you know. But I think I did it to the best them. Um, you know, I just said no. Nah, it's not going to happen here. I'll wait till I go home.
3: Yeah, and I think that that's the attitude that has kept you going on yeah. for so many years while you fight this awful disease. And just we we speaking of all the various surgeries, do you know how many surgeries you've had at this stage?
4: I've had three so far. Now, unfortunately, the cancer is coming back to where it was originally when I was diagnosed with mm-hmm. advanced stage four and it had gone up to the chest, et cetera. So even though I've been on chemo since 2016, um, I've been told that the chemo I'm on, that it's after finding its way. It's a very intelligent disease, you see. It's after finding a way around the chemo, and it's now cloning the original tumors. So I'm getting the tumors back where I had them originally.
3: And the radiotherapy now you're receiving. You're back in this afternoon, I presume. Yeah. For that, w- that that will help to try to burn off growing these tumours. Is that what they're hoping?
4: Hope, hopefully, yeah. That it's. I mean, as the radiologist said, look, you have to understand. your stage four. We have to be realistic. We're going to do a curative treatment on these two areas, but we're still going to be. You know, it's not going to cure you of cancer and I just said like I realised that you know all I want is the the treatment per uh, tumour when it does crop up
3: and how long more will you be in and out now of COH for radiotherapy have they given you a timeline
4: they have said 5 to 6 weeks
3: so that, that that's tough on the, on the body but also tough you up and down yeah. from, from Charleville to
4: Cork yeah yeah it is well, I don't You'd kind of put up with that. It's just you have the fear of what side effects. I mean, yeah. my gullet they said could be affected, which will help. I won't be able to eat properly. My spine, um, my heart, and my lung.
3: And had you had side effects before from from chemo? Have, have you you've had radiotherapy before? No,
4: this is my first. This is your first time, first time, is it? Yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. so it's it's a whole new ball game it regarding is. side effects. though, really, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Yeah. But okay. we'll get through it. There's, you will. you well, will? There's nothing we can do. Just keep on the, the fight. As my grandson said, I'll be get my communion next year. I want you to buy my outfit. <laughs>
3: Well yeah. Ava can dress you up again and maybe he will dress you up uh, for, for the communion next year and I've mm-hmm. no uh, no doubt Anne that you will fight the fight uh, yeah. this time around as well and you will make that communion next year and he will be talking to you again on the show uh, for the moment and thanks for making awareness, uh, awareness of Ovarian Cancer Day and for women out there who might feel something is different to go to your doctor to say it to your doctor and persist uh, with your GP and persist in getting an appointment if you think something is wrong and, and you take care of yourself
4: Thanks, JP, and it was great to be interviewed by uh, a male on gynecological cancer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and if I could just say, sometimes men out there notice things first yeah. from their partners, you know, yeah. and maybe they could keep an eye out there as well for their loved ones.
3: True, they might see some signs, yes. even the signs of overtiredness. For for some would say, for you know, you're you're too overtired for no yeah. reason. Uh, those simple signs can be something th- that will lead to th- there's something in your body that shouldn't be in your body. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, Anne, I wish the very best of luck with the radiotherapy. Uh, we'll keep in touch and we'll speak again shortly. And our love to you, PJ, and all your family.
4: All right, same here, JP. Take care. Take
3: care. Take care, bye, Take bye, care bye. Anne. The lovely Anne Hurley here uh, from Charnival Our Cardiff night.
0: Court today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 103
3: And it's time for this week's Gardafile and I'm joined in studio for his final Gardafile by Sergeant John O'Leary of Mallow Garda Station John, a very good morning to you Morning,
5: John And we'll talk
3: you. about your final file <laughs> in a few moments but first we must look at various crimes in the area and this is something we spoke about last week and I think people need to be careful uh, This is first of all the theft of two cast iron chairs from a garden, and uh, gardener warning of people just to be careful now of their outdoor equipment as we come into the summer season.
5: Well, John Paul, the, the cost of that equipment is, is astronomical, like you know. And when you have a nice ca- two cast iron chairs as this lady had in her front garden, and the lower road and cove, and the early hours of last Saturday morning, the 30th of April, at around five fifteen a.m., she was walking to see two men taking the two chairs and putting them into the, a low, what she described as a low trailer, <coughs> which was being towed by a black jeep. So she's at the loss of these uh, these chairs. So like, it's vitally important. I suppose maybe to secure them or whatever as as good as you can, or maybe take put them in when they are not using them. Like you know. So um, I'm sure these will turn up somewhere and for sale at a at a knockdown price. So look, if anybody's signing in around Cove, and I said the lower Road in Cove again uh, last Saturday morning, to contact the Guardian Cove at 021. 490-8530, with anything, any information would be a great help. And frightening as well for
3: her to see somebody at that hour of the morning yes. taking the equipment or, oh yeah, or the at furniture. At least they
5: didn't enter the house, which is a good thing. I mean, a, a, to just the, the, they were in the, the garden, which is not nice to see at that hour of the morning. Like, you
3: know. No, not nice for anybody. And then uh, something, unfortunately, also on the increase is the theft of oil from homes. Uh, this is something that happened in Mitchellstown last Thursday.
5: Last Thursday, uh, the, there was two hundred liters of uh, kerosene delivered to Mitchellstown G A, which is at the periphery of the town. There, as you go for 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 limerick and um, it was delivered, I said, between nine thirty a.m. and midday. Um, the, the drums were, were were taken at least two hundred liters. Uh, of kerosene and as we know everybody knows nowadays the, because of what's going on elsewhere the cost of fuel has uh, gone through the roof and these opportunists uh, I presume just drove in and saw the kerosene and took it so again like the chairs make sure you have something delivered either that or fertiliser we see fertiliser now has gone through the roof and uh, costing farmers a lot to, to spread in fields you know if you get a delivery of fertiliser kerosene heat home heating whatever make sure you secure it uh, because it is a very valuable commodity at the moment.
3: It is. As prices increase and a warning also, I mentioned homes there for businesses or indeed community halls or like that, the local GA hall, yeah. uh, to make sure you have your uh, equipment secured or the oil tank secured because they're targeting yeah, it's hard to,
5: uh, everybody. It's hard to secure the oil tank, but there's, there's locks there you can, can get from. Mm. like you know, And just make it awkward for them. I know they can damage, they have no hesitation in damaging a pipe. There's nothing you can do about that. But just make it hard for them. Maybe conceal it. Put a covering around it and lock it on. I know it's a lot of work, but I suppose for the sake of you know, uh, putting a frame around an oil tank. The cost of that and losing oil fill, uh, I think it, it balances out in the long run. Like you know, it, does it doesn't indeed. make it hard for them to get to your, your, your property. And hopefully that
3: will deter them, While yeah. they even though they try and do it, someone might spot something if it's yeah. hard for them to get to get yeah. the grasp it. Yeah. And this uh, next item is criminal damage. And this was a car stolen from Mallow. This was on Sunday last.
5: Yeah, Sunday morning um, last, the 1st of May, uh, in the Green Hills area, more than that, around 5am, um there was a car discovered on fire which was set on fire deliberately. The car had been taken in Mallow earlier. It was a Hyundai I-30, as far as I can recall. Um, um, so if anybody saw that car in the um, Green Hills area, Morne Abbey, prior to being uh, burned, I know the, there was a suspect seen being collected from the area afterwards, so uh, if anybody has any idea of what that car was or whatever, to let us know in Mallet or two, two, three, one, four, five, zero. Um, I think the car may have crashed, so he, you know, to, to get rid of the evidence, he decided to burn it, like you know. so and
3: the Greenhouse area of Morne Abbey would they have travelled out you know the Cork Road the main have, Cork Road yeah, for that yeah it. Uh, Yeah, they
5: could have gone anywhere from any way
3: from, from to Mallow Town or maybe the, the back road near where back the golf coast, club is yeah. maybe as well right. so for people to be aware of that dash, if you were out last Sunday morning uh, was it Sunday morning Sunday
5: morning yeah, yeah have
3: yeah, dash cam yeah. footage maybe m- yeah. M- yeah. might show up something of that yeah, and really unusual for a car to be burned out in Morne Abbey you don't hear that oh, happening no, no. a lot no, So no.
5: it's just a, it's just a, it was a it's an opportunist like you know just yeah. to as I say, get rid of the evidence, like
3: you know. Okay, hopefully somebody might be able to shed light on yeah. that one. And also, staying with cars, uh, just a reminder for people: if you are parking your car in many amenities, as people are now going for walks in the forest areas, just to keep your valuables out of sight, we still have uh, examples of theft unfortunately uh, going on.
5: John Paul, I'm a long time at this game, and as I, every time I come on, I have to repeat this, and this is the last time I'm going to be repeating. But <laughs> um, look when you're going for a walk we have the likes of the walks of Mount Hillary, all around the place up Kilavullan lovely walks you don't want to come back to your car with the windscreen or the side window broken and your handbag or laptop taken from it so if you're going for a walk you don't need this stuff put it in the boot or leave it at home when somebody comes to us passing by and they see a car and they look in there's nothing there they're going to move on so as I say keep your property out of sight and you should have no trouble and enjoy your walks especially a fine day like today There's exactly
3: because they are out there looking for, they're not just going up for the walk themselves they're looking to see what's hanging around the car and if you're leaving it there it's in this sight is,
5: these boys make their money out of this These yeah. people make, and, and they have no hesitation in putting a they have a small hammer and they'll give it a little tap and they're in and gone as quick as I said that, that's the way they work. And if there's nothing in the handbag, you drive down the road five miles and just thrown in over a ditch. Mm. But that's, that could be valuable property to you, cards or memorial cards or whatever, and you might never even get it back. So, I mean, you know, secure your property and make sure that, uh, that it's
3: out of sight. And hopefully, people will learn for, from uh, this again this year. And yeah. again, have the car locked as well as another thing. Oh, people don't lock the car sometimes. Yeah, that's so.
5: the biggest thing as well. No, yeah, lock yeah. the car at night at home as well. Like, you know, so make, make it hard for them. Exactly. Make it
3: tough for them. Yeah, yeah. And as I mentioned there, it's your final time in studio with us as a guard. Anymore, unless you decide to do something else in the future, <laughs> you might be back in. But for the moment, it's your yeah. final guard of follow with us. I was chatting to you there before we came on air. You said you always wanted to be a member of Vanguard of so I take it that you'll miss being with the force
5: uh, I'll miss it yeah but I mean as I had a, a great 36 years of the guards um, fantastic times I suppose we had more good days than bad days the bad days would be the fatal accident or the you know, some, you know somebody died by suicide having to go to a Let's say the loved ones and break that news. That's oh. just that's just the hardest job. Very of tough that's to the knock hard, at someone's hard. door. Yeah, uh, and they know, you they're know, it isn't. You're not coming to tell them they won the lottery. Like, you know, yeah. So it's it's very hard. But the good days were great. Um, the people in Mallow and let's say Kilshanig and Bughtifint and Charleville and Kentork, like they, they have fantastic yards. And uh, I worked with great people in this town, and in Cork City, and in Limerick for the brief period I was there. Um, no, I really enjoyed it, but. It's time now to hand the shovel over to someone else. To, <laughs> to, to the younger recruits them. coming in. They, they, yeah, yeah, and yeah.
3: is there highlights from uh, being in Gardashi Corner or, or highlights yourself and a good news side of things that you would have come across over the years?
5: I suppose, um, you know, giving an escort to someone to a hospital and everything works out, be get uh, pregnancies. We have I've had a few of those. It's been great here, everything is good. Um, I suppose getting property back for people, um, you know. Maybe a successful prosecution in court is great we know for a serious for serious is it's, it's, it's fulfilling to know that you've done the job and you've taken it to court and your peers and the jury have said you know this person is guilty of of, of, of that crime and it's for the the person that was let's say assaulted or whatever it's, it's for those that you you know it's great to, to, to get a conviction for things like that um ah, it's it's um it's a very rewarding job it's a tough one it's very tough. Um, it's got tougher, I'd say, over the years. It's very, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it was always tough, but it's, it's um, uh, demanding. And But there is great just job satisfaction. If there's anyone here of the 11,000 that are Tinky joining, I say do. You make it your own dinner after that, like, you know, um, and treat people with respect and, you know, and you get it back, like, you know.
3: And you mentioned there about the, the sad news and delivering sad news. Obviously, with experience, you know you gain more ways of telling that news. How do you, when you come across, uh, for example, I'll just say a car accident and someone unfortunately has passed away, and you know now you have to travel to that. For example, it could be a son, a daughter. You must go to the parents' house and deliver the news. How do you prepare yourself for traveling from the scene, seeing the uh, the road accident, and then going to the home?
5: Well, nothing. will prepare for that. There's no training in temporary. There's no there's nobody can teach you that uh you just have to, it's, it's in you um not, if we have if i come across a scene like that and if i can't go myself i would pick someone i know who can do that job it's 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 inbuilt into you into you you have to have empathy it's like as if it's one of your own you have to be you know sympathetic and sympathetic empathetic empathetic, whatever word you want to use yeah. uh, it's not easy it's everyone is different it's it's uh it's not a need. it's a very hard part of the job to do, but certain people won't do it. Mm. They tell you, I, I'm not doing that, and that's fair enough because it's it's you have to identify your your guard to do that or do it yourself, and and as I said, no training can train you for that. You just have to prepare yourself. Maybe go over what you're going to say, and you you have to you have to deliver the hard facts. Unfortunately, there's no way around it. Like, you know,
3: yeah, and sh- uh, while i mentioned things have got tougher over the years, I suppose by way of crime has changed. I mean, you're you know you're using computers now. Maybe it would have been less in use when when you were starting, but also crime has changed towards cyber. So you're now dealing with people who, as we mentioned, there are coming into your front garden. They're also coming in via online now to your it's computer on, or phone. It's
5: online is text messages. Click on this link, and again going back to crime files. Do not click on any link. Yeah. And if you have if you have your bank card. Ring that number down the bankers for your lost card, and they'll tell you there's nothing wrong with your account. But
3: you would no. have to relearn all of this again because this wasn't there. No, no. I mean, no, this no. wasn't there 15 years ago, and that I 36 yeah, well, years ago. It's a,
5: it's a bit above my head now. <laughs> just, uh, I, the, we have young girls in Ireland, they're very good at that, they're excellent at it, and they're well able to, you know trace it back like as far as I can like you know and yeah. uh, but that's uh, that's part of the reason i'm retiring because that's <laughs> above my place <laughs> you know but uh it's, yeah, it's, it's all it's, changed the job has changed totally yeah. um, but has the
3: force uh, changed itself over the years as a garda Shikana force is it a difference on garda Shikana now that, than it was when you joined by way of technology oh, by way of it's, who's it's,
5: running the force no it's it's, it's, it's it's after improving drastically it's mm. fantastic like you know i mean uh, the equipment we have um uh, the the calibre of guard has been is coming out of more they're, they're excellent. Um, uh, equipment is fantastic. Um, if we could do it better, but everyone is always looking for more. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's 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 uh, it, it would be a great job for a young person now to take on. Well, it's time now for me to make room for that new
3: person. <laughs> well, hopefully some uh, person will take over your role as well on the well, Gardner well, in the future. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll hear a few new yeah, voices. But yeah, for the moment, thank yeah, you, John, for your help uh, over the years, whether it's here on the Gardner or for incidents, unfortunately, like you've said, with road accidents that we've had to dealt with and, and deal with you over the years here on the radio station. Yeah. And we thank you for your help.
5: And I just want to thank yourself, JP and uh, Patricia and Bernie, for the help, especially when something happened suddenly and we needed to get out there that roads were closed or that we wanted witnesses or whatever uh, to get the airtime here is va- invaluable to us in the Garda Chicana so I want to thank you for that.
3: Well, it's our pleasure, John, and thank you for joining us over the last. We reckon it's 13 to 15 years or the more you're doing the Garda I file, yeah. maybe yeah. add on a few more years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John, I wish you all the best and uh, enjoy your retirement. Thanks very much. That is Sergeant John O'Leary there, uh, joining us from Mallow Garda Station. His final Garda file. We see a text in asking about neighbours. I'll get to that shortly. Uh, neighbours, of course, coming to an end, unfortunately, this year. Uh, but we'll get to that. Story in a while uh, first though let's go back to a number of comments in before so uh, can I can let you know that Jane Pickish of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will be along after 12.30 answering all your pet questions if you have a question for Jane get that into us right away uh, people are already texting so get them in early so we can pass them on to Jane you can do that on phone 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we spoke uh, with Anne Hurley earlier in in the show. And this was to highlight uh, World Ovarian Cancer Day, which is going ahead uh, this Sunday. And Anne herself going through ovarian cancer. She was diagnosed in 2014 with stage four ovarian cancer. She has gone through a number of surgeries, uh, two recently uh, earlier this year, and now is receiving radiotherapy within CUH for the next seven to eight weeks. So we wish Anne the very best of luck. But a lot of people, uh, after our conversation with Anne, texting in uh, wishing Anne the very best. Um, Hi to Louise who says, what an inspiring woman Anne is. Uh, To hear her speak, uh, to hear her positivity uh, she really is a spokesperson for those who are going through cancer at the moment. I have been there myself, says Louise. Thankfully I am in the clear now but my thoughts and prayers are with Anne at the moment. While another Anne says, may the Lord heal that woman. Uh, What a great woman she is, uh, says Anne. And John saying, listening to Anne, I was near in tears towards the end of the conversation. Her brave her positivity and her love of family and friends came across hopefully she will beat this and continue to see her grandson's communion uh, next year we wish her the very best says John indeed do all of we uh, and more people uh, texting in wishing Anne Hurley and Charnival the very best and we will speak to Anne again on the show over the next few months and we wish her well um, Regarding the situation with water and boil water notices uh, Kill of volume. Uh, was well, what we were discussing this morning and so many people very frustrated that again in sh- such a short space of time that there has been a boil water notice issued but I think it's what the majority of recorders were saying the lack of information I mean it wasn't a Tom earlier on asking the simple questions of you know uh, the, the substances that are actually causing this in the water are they harmful do they give us any information on the Borwell they mentioned in their press release the depth of that uh, have people become ill because of this why is it happening again so soon after Easter and the questions people and the locals are asking they can't get answers for uh, Jerry made a very good point earlier and I put this to Councillor Declan Hurley that he f- felt that with Cork County Council at least eventually you get to speak to someone if not you could always ring a local councillor and a local councillor will give you the information now they can't get the information from Irish Water and I did put that to to Councillor Declan Hurley and others text in saying no they can't get the information. The interesting thing here is that the local authority, Cork County Council, the Mayor of Cork County Council on behalf of the local authority, Councillor Gillian Coughlin, has written to Irish Water six weeks ago looking for someone there to come in and chat to them about all these problems that they are having with boil water notices and the communication around that and how people are ringing, they can't get answers and even the councillors can't get answers and no one came back to them. And no one came back to her to the mayor's office anyhow either by letter or by email. Uh, So that's disappointing in itself but if they're not getting back to the mayor of County. Cork County, uh, well how are local people going to get any information if they disregard the Mayor? Uh, so that's where we're at at the moment regarding Irish water. A lot of people are frustrated with that and because of that it was raised yesterday in the Doyle. You would have heard there Barry on our news regarding the Cork East Deputy Pat Buckley of Sinn Féin who raised this issue regarding what's happening also in Whitegate. Over 10,000 people affected there and the Ball Water Notice that goes on there from time to time. Uh, similar now to what's happening in Caldavullan. It's just the lack of answers and the lack of transparency I think that people are just getting sick of. And we are going to chat with Pat in more detail tomorrow on the latest on that and what he is finding out today in relation to this, but also what is done with an organisation that doesn't get back to the public uh, and, you know, is issuing statements and using words, what's that word again, that that they they, they use regarding the... Turbidity is it? Turbidity is that one of the words they're using to describe the. I can't find the press release now in front of me, but it's one of those words anyway. They're using uh, to describe the actual what was wrong with the water uh, in, for example, Kilavullen. Uh, but would they be better off just saying exactly what is wrong rather than using words that all the word means? I think is dirt in the water. Um, yeah, that's the word they used. Uh, turbidity is the word they're using I think there and it's to do basically with soil and dirt in the water that's what it is but that confused people more because they didn't know what the hell they were on about uh, so anyhow, all those calls we've got we haven't ignored them we, we've read some of the comments earlier on we are going to discuss this in more detail uh, tomorrow we did contact Irish Water as I said earlier on in the show uh, they have acknowledged they received our email earlier this morning and we are waiting for them to revert to us on what exactly is happening hopefully that uh, word they keep using won't be appearing in any more responses from them uh, but very frustrating for people living in certain areas of Cork that this does continue from an organisation that seems that doesn't even get back to the mayor uh, we'll see what happens and we'll see what they come back to us with later it'll be tomorrow at this stage I would imagine anyhow uh, from Irish water Uh, and something else that has come up on the show earlier we didn't get to this Uh, this is from John saying I am concerned. I work in a hospital, but I am concerned at the level of abuse that is coming towards us workers, us frontline workers within the hospital. I am a porter and I work on the front line. And why I am not a medical health professional, I am still working within the hospital. But the abuse is growing day and day. And now at the INMO conference, they are mentioning this, but I feel us porters are being left out. Well, on that, and we have spoken to many porters over the last number of years years on this issue and also from hospitals here in the city who have to deal with the abuse Uh, they get from public members who come in. First of all it could be verbal abuse but worse still it's the physical abuse that many do suffer and it is something that has been brought up now I'm sure Filney Hay who is of the IMM, she's the the union's general secretary, while she is mentioning uh, nurses and and others in the front line uh, I I do presume she also is including porters when she's talking about this at the uh, conference because the overcrowding is in hospitals at this stage been described in many of the papers this morning as a pressure cooker environment and it's leading to these increased assaults on all hospital staff and since the beginning of 2021 on average seven assaults a day are taking place on nurses with many more incidents going unreported and that's what uh, when we spoke to porters over the years they were saying a lot of this goes unreported and when they do report it uh, they have to you know go through hoops really to get it recognised well now the unions are out and they Uh, are highlighting this at their conferences they're describing this as diabolical and it is indeed I think that staff who are working in a hospital trying to get their work done or porters bringing in people on beds or trolleys are then being kicked and being abused physically uh, not to mind verbally it has gone to the health minister and they're very aware of it at the health service as well but a lot of this goes back to the overcrowding and the pressures within the health service and the fact that nurses you know are many will say are overworked as they are but it's the lack of staff and the conditions they work in and it's leading them to this situation. So it is something that we are aware of, John, and others who are texting in regarding this. And as even though the the, the newswires in the papers are saying it's regarding nurses, people very aware it's not just the medical professions in the hospitals that are receiving this abuse. And I think that seven assaults a day are taking place on nurses. And you'd wonder how many more then are taking place are taking place in in the hospitals outside the medical professions such as porters and others who work there Uh, but it's something we will keep an eye on and discuss in more detail while those conferences go on and and finish up Uh, but it is awful to think that that is going on within our hospitals they're busy enough now without uh, going along and dealing with these situations people coming in and uh, beating up those who are working there and a lot of people texting in on this Uh, this is to do with the local elections in the UK but of course it does mean uh, the Northern elections for the Assembly in Stormont in Belfast, and because of as because they're going ahead today, uh, the coverage gets underway for uh, the elections, and many people testing and reminding us. And I see this as well today in the Corkman newspaper, of course, Michelle O'Neill, who could become the first minister of Northern Ireland in the Assembly election if it looks like the votes are going to go the way uh, of Sinn Féin that they will become the largest party in Northern Ireland but it looks also like Michelle O'Neill will become the the poll position to take that uh, First Minister uh, position and if she does Michelle was born in Formoy and when we discussed this before many people were texting and calling us to say did you know that uh, Michelle O'Neill was born in Formoy and then her parents moved I think it was to Armagh if I'm not wrong uh, um, that they moved there initially Uh, but but she was born in Fermoy, so whatever does happen with the elections, and it does look like Sinn Fein will become the largest party in the north. Uh, that Michelle O'Neill will become the first minister, but that depends on if the DUP and other parties. Uh, will go along with this Uh, and respect the vote of the people in Northern Ireland. It just really depends um, on what will come out from the elections Uh, at the moment. The Alliance Party are also voting as as the voting polls are are being done as they're voting today. The Alliance Party are coming out very strong. They're a new party uh, within Northern Ireland and with them and with Sinn Féin and others, you wonder, will it be a different looking storm now than it was a, a number of years ago when there was the local elections? And that's also taken into account the changes then uh, with regards to Boris Johnson's government uh, from London. So we'll wait and see what happens. And if everybody plays ball, it looks like Michelle O'Neill will become the first minister. Uh, but as we all know with politics in Northern Ireland, and I worked for a brief period in Belfast um, uh, with UTV uh, covering uh, uh, similar political stories and it's a different ball game as we all know uh, when it comes to politics in Northern Ireland so it could go anyway uh, but hopefully they will form some type of a government anyway uh, in Stormont. thank you for your calls on that and those texting in regarding Michelle O'Neill originally from Formoy or uh, born in uh, they moved. the family moved to Northern Ireland uh, after she was born in Formoy uh, your lines are open our lines are open even you can call Bernie if you have a pet question now for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket you can call us on 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103. The C103 Cork Diary
2: with Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie
3: and at the moment there is a tea and coffee morning going ahead in aid of the Alzheimer's Society it's going from 10.30 until 1 so it's running for the next uh, half an hour or so and that's happening across the morning and until 1 at the Presentational Pastoral Centre in Donnerill and a charity bungee jump it's going to take place at the Archer's Bar in Mallow on Bank Holiday Monday June the sixth. proceeds in aid of Cystic Fibrosis Ireland and Mallow Search and Rescue you can register now and take part in this charity event by contacting Emma on 0862 Ballanhasic Community Development Association will hold a social dancing event in the Marion Hall in Ballanhasic that's going ahead this Friday with dancing to Peter Burke and Whitechurch and Rogbon GEA clubs they will host a quiz night in aid of Ukraine Red Cross Appeal it's on this Friday starting at 9pm in Buckley's Bar in Whitechurch and the rescheduled fundraising gig at Kishgame Playground or for Kishgame Playground will be held in Kishgame Church it's going ahead this Friday Friday at 8 o'clock the main act is the Chandram Kelly Band and also the Kish Game Brass Band Amory O'Riordan and the Boerbui Comprehensive Choir will also perform any tickets bought for the original date in March 2020 they are still valid and tickets will also be available at the door and that fundraising gig is for Kish Game Playground and also events taking place next weekend Awful Auntie it's a play based on a book by David Williams and it's going to be Williams I think that should be and it's going to be performed by Heartbreak Productions in Kinsale and that's going ahead on Sunday the 15th of May at 4pm and an open garden in aid of CUH Cancer Research will be held at the Bridge Bar Cottage in Calumny. that's on Sunday the 15th of May from 12 to 6pm and admission there is 10 euros all in aid of CUH Cancer Research and includes light refreshments plant sales pottery furniture and much more on the day
0: Cork Today on C103
3: Patricia, with your comment, 0818-103-103. And earlier on in the week, we were discussing the darkness into light events that are taking place across this weekend across Cork. And Councillor Danny Collins has been on from Bantry to say, could you please announce this uh, that this morning and tomorrow morning that the Bantry Darkness into Light walk starts at four fifteen a.m. sharp from the J A grounds at Wolftone Park in Bantry and it's going ahead on Saturday morning uh, so Saturday morning that's Friday night into Saturday morning it's going ahead as the Bantry Darkness into Light Walk starting at 4.15am at the GAA grounds of Wolfton Park in Bantry and we'll be mentioning more of those across uh, the uh, rest of the week as well and they're asking people in Bantry uh, that are requested to come on time and parking will be available near Wolftown Park and they're asking you also to follow Stuart's guidance that's for the Darkness into Light Walk in Bantry. And a number of comments and, and uh, questions coming in for Jane. So keep them coming. We'll bring you, uh, we should bring her advice very shortly. You can call us on 0818 103, 103 or text or WhatsApp 86 Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us shortly on the programme. Uh, Bush, a different Jane, and also Anne was on to us yesterday and they were asking, they're fans of neighbours and they were asking, is there any truth that some big stars are coming back to Neighbours? Well, as you'll all be aware by now, the much-loved Australian TV show, it's going to cease production in June in Australia after 37 years. And this is due to the loss, as you'll be aware, of their broadcast partner in the UK, that being Channel 5. And a lot of people are asking, would the big characters over the years make a comeback to the show? But two of those in particular that they wanted to make a comeback were... Scott Robinson and Charlene Mitchell and they were played by Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue and yes uh, they are going to make a comeback they will return to Ramsey Street for the Neighbours finale and there's been different reasons of why Neighbours is being scrapped I suppose you could say in a way or ceasing production uh, one of the reasons is because the broadcast partner in the UK Channel 5 they want to produce more homegrown productions in the UK and there is over the years different issues with uh, uh, money like in every Uh, TV production unit over the years as well but you'd have to wonder about viewership because with the likes of Kylie and Jason now going to be there for the season finale and the overall Neighbours finale I'm sure they'll have a massive viewership for that which is always the way when a show airs for a number of years and people dip in and out of it for the last one will you be watching it if you ever did watch Neighbours or dipped in and out over the years will you watch it for the final one Let me know uh, because Anne and uh, Jane on uh, text uh, Annie yesterday Jane this morning asking about that. You'll be glad to know that both of them are coming back in the rules as uh, Scott and Charlene. I'm not too sure what storyline or what they're going to say or where they were or how they're going to introduce them back into the show but they are coming back anyhow and it will be some finale with all the old faces back Uh, and again as I say a lot of the viewership to that will be very high. I suppose you can only do that for one show. It's not high all the time. Uh, They can't count the cost of, of producing this particular show. Anyhow, we'll wait and see what our storyline is. Hopefully that keeps you happy there for those Neighbours fans. Uh, we'll go to pack questions next. Jane Pickett of the Alimwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us. You can call Bernie 0818 103, 103 or text or WhatsApp 86 Jane will join us next
0: today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86
3: And we're joined by Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. A very good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon,
4: John Paul.
3: How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. And Jane, a lot of questions in today, so I'm going to get straight into them so we'll get through as many as we can. And uh, hi, John Paul and Jane. Uh, can you ask Jane, how will I remove a tick from my cat's Paul, it's a raised black spot, but it's hard to get hold of and to hold her to see it. And now it's a front pole. Uh, looking forward to hear what Jane says.
6: Okay, this is an interesting one. So ticks can sometimes attach themselves to paws but usually not in very mobile areas like that. So it could well be a tick and like there's uh, ticks abound in our part of the country here anyway so it's quite possible and it's the time of year for them and um, I would say that if there, you have noticed a tick it does need to be removed understandably the paw area as let's say when you get ticks on a face or sometimes the neck and um, it can be very difficult to remove atraumatically so it's really important that the tick is fully removed that means its body part so the kind of bumpy bit but also all of its legs because if it's not removed correctly and one of those legs is left inside it can set up a little bit of an inflammation and a reaction on the skin so a lot of the time unless you're very used to removing ticks from your pet it is best to pop along to your vet and certainly for the first time you see a tick on your pet so that they can remove it but also so that they can show you how that that's done and if you do tend to be in like Woodland So you know for again The one thing I would say is It is important In this situation I think Given that it's a foot It's a slightly unusual Place to find a tick To pop along to your vet First to get it removed But also just to make sure That it is in fact a tick And that it's not A little skin lump Above that might need some investigation So I think if you're struggling At this point I'd, I'd make an appointment With your vet
3: to get As another person On WhatsApp says I have a new puppy Five months old And he tricks Jane For toilet training The dog He tears up The puppy pat- Could take him out And he will go to the toilet But then When we bring him back in He will go again So he could be out all day Then once we come in He'll go inside
6: oh the little devil <laughs> i think he's probably just a little bit confused about what he's meant to do um, and that's quite natural at this stage pups are really just learning by doing and they're you know it's trial and error for them i think if your puppy is shredding up the puppy pads at this stage i think it's probably time to get rid of them and um, puppy pads work really well for some pets particularly overnight where they don't want to let's say soil their crate which is kind of their safe happy place that they want to keep clean as their little den but generally i would Usually, recommend in most situations if you have easy access to a back garden or somewhere where you can directly easily take your pet out to do their peas and poos. I try and get them to do their peas and poos outside pretty much from the start rather than on a puppy pad, certainly during the daytime anyway. And um, so, I'd say get rid of the puppy pads because it makes thing start chewing and swallowing them, that can be quite dangerous. So, probably best to dispense with those for now. I think the main thing is, do you that the most time? Is- to get it right. So take him out more than you think you should to do his please and please. Give him lots of play, lots of running around outside. That can kind of stimulate the bowels to get going. And importantly, once he's been a really good boy and done his business outside, don't take him straight back inside. Make a big fuss about him as the best boy ever and maybe a little treat here and there to kind of associate that with doing his business outside. But then play with him for a minute minutes or so so that he doesn't think that let's say if he does his business he gets taken inside and all of the fun ends immediately ends immediately so he may be kind of holding on to things until he gets back inside because he doesn't want the fun outside to end so I think yeah giving him a little bit of extra playtime after he does his business and when when he does his business giving him lots of kind of verbal praise maybe a little treat here and there um, that should get you on the right road it really is consistency and I think the more times they get it right the quicker it all solidifies in their brain now if he does get it wrong that's going to happen too. It's not his fault. It's just that he wasn't in the right place at the right time. So there's no benefit in scolding or anything like that. The best thing is to just clean up the mess inside and with pet-safe cleaner, get rid of the smell so that it's not marked as a, as a toileting area in his head and just, you know, move on and try again the next time he goes out.
3: And another puppy question A lot of puppies uh, Today for the show Jane Uh, This is from Margaret In Derren Agree And she has a Nine month old puppy Named Buddy So hello to Buddy Now when she's preparing Her potatoes and veg For dinner He begs for some So he will keep Taking it from her When she's giving it to him But she's asking Is this okay At least she's saying It's something healthy He is eating But is it okay To give him some Potatoes and veg I would say On
6: balance I'd probably try And avoid doing it um, two, two sides to that is that he's a, he's a young growing boy at the moment, but he is, so he can probably intake a bit more calories and, and then let's say um, he might be able to in a year or two when his growth has stopped and it's not kind of soaking up that extra energy intake and it may end up with him becoming overweight later on in life. So firstly, I kind of stick to your complete diet and make sure it's the right amount as for the back of the packet for your dog's life stage and growth. And if you need any advice, visit your vet or local vet nurse to have a chat about that. We're always happy to, to chat about nutrition. But on the other hand, it's also behavior-wise. If you're giving him little scraps now that he's begging when you're cooking, it might be very cute and we all like to you know, sneak them a little treat every now and again, but you're really ingraining that behavior for later in life that you know, every time he sees you with food, he's going to start begging for it. Um, and that can become quite wearing. I know around the house one of my dogs um, is very insistent on wanting to eat whatever we we try and eat and uh, my little dog has some dietary issues as well so we have to be really firm in in not doing that. But I think really as well for your pet's own health avoiding any tummy upsets, having table scraps or you know avoiding becoming overweight later on in life. It's a behaviour I probably...
3: OK, and very finally, Jane, this is from Mary in Bantry. She has a Poodle Shih cross, 11 years old, and uh, has a very bad cough at the moment. Now, she is on heart tablets for the last two years, and when she drinks water, it makes her cough worse. Why could this happen?
6: Okay, so this is an interesting one. I think there might be a few things going on here. So if this little pet is on heart tablets and it's been diagnosed with heart disease, then that's something going on in the background. Heart disease can in, in indeed cause a cough because generally as the heart heart disease progresses, the heart takes up more space in the chest and sometimes that can cause some irritation on the windpipe. There are lots of other causes of a cough, however, and the fact that the cough is occurring more when your pet is, is drinking or eating suggests that maybe a little bit of food is going down the wrong way or the upper part of the windpipe might be a little bit irritable and that may be to do with the heart or it might not be in this situation I'd say you need to visit your vetro review firstly to make sure that it's heart medications are adequate and there's not any progression of its disease um, that might be causing exacerbation of the cough, but also to make sure that it's not something else that needs to be treated that's causing a cough that's totally separate from the heart. So this is a little bit of a complex one. I do think you need to pop pop along to your vet to make them aware that the cough is a bit worse. And it's a really handy thing to keep a little cough diary as well. You say it happens more around eating or drinking, but think to yourself, does it happen a little bit more in the morning, in the evening, when they're active or when they're not, when they're lying down, when they're standing up? Because that can all give us clues.
3: Okay, and just one more that has come in here and I'm not too sure if you can answer this or not. It's to do with birds and it's to do with a person who's living next to a house that has been done up at the moment but when they're fixing the shoots the around the house there's a bird's nest in those shoots or in the, in, in the hush where the shoots are going. Now, the workers are putting timber to cover any holes uh, so that these listeners think that they've covered the nests and now they can't hear the birds uh, anymore but they can hear squalling and the mother bird now is trying to get at her baby birds to feed them but obviously the birds behind the timber is there anything they can do or should they just say it to the builders?
6: I'd be inclined to say to the builders, yeah. um, personally I'm not really aware of anything that, that, that kind of should be done in the situation. But I'd say, you know, if you've noticed, it may just be that the builders might not have noticed that they were active nests at that time. You know, it's if, unless we have a bird sitting in them, it's very difficult to tell if they were a home from a few years ago or if they're an active home now for a bird. So it may just be worth mentioning to the builders and that homeowner um, and, and just making them aware of the situation.
3: Yeah, and they can hopefully remove the timber and, and release those birds and get the mother bird back again to feed them. Yeah, hopefully well spotted. Uh, Jane, thank you for that. A busy one today and we'll chat to you again next Thursday. Brilliant, thank you John. Take care, thank you That is Jane Pickett there of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And tomorrow morning on the show we are going back to the issue of water It was raised in the Doyle yesterday and again today and we'll be speaking with the Cork East Deputy Pat Buckley on Irish water, on the reasoning behind all these boil water notices and to get a a reason for locals who just can't get the full reason apart from uh, an issue of dirt in the water. Uh, It's happening in Whitegate in that area, it's happening in Cillavullan and running that local councillors can't even now get through to Irish Water with Irish Water not responding to the Mayor of Cork County to meet the local authorities, so if the local authority can't meet them how the hell can the public and it's our paying money is funding Irish water and isn't our motor tax, doesn't that also go into water when the whole debacle was going on about paying for water? Uh, people were saying that motor tax, our motor tax money was also being uh, re- invented or invested even into uh, the water network. Anyhow, we'll discuss that tomorrow. Also, we're going to hear a study from UCC, which is looking at the older people in rural communities and is it a good or a poor place to grow old? And as we mentioned there, are a lot of talk of dogs with our vet Jane Wild Dogs Trust will join us on the show tomorrow as they are numbering they're as busy as ever because they're rehoming a number of dogs from dogs that were purchased the pandemic and now are being let go from loved families uh, the families can no longer deal with the dog because they're back to work so they've never in their last number of years rehomed as many dogs plus we'll be going to the movies with Mark and your calls and comments that's all uh, tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Have a lovely Thursday afternoon, and we'll chat to you again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.
6: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.